So we are continuing the series, and I will say, as I'm, I'm, I woke up this morning, I'm like, I get to preach today. I haven't preached in two weeks. I was like, yes. Um, but Luke, Luke 11 and 12, we're continuing the series through the summer. Uh, and uh, if you have your Bible with you, I invite you to open with me to Luke 11 and 12. Um, again, this series, this summer, right, we're going through the entire gospel in order to, to fit that in. Again, Luke is, is a, a big book, so fit that in. We've got to cover two chapters a week. And uh, as we're here at 11 and 12, um, this is just like every other week. There's way more content in these chapters than I have time to share with you. Uh, this morning, and so just just encourage you to to read on your own, to go through that. If you want to dive deeper into the text, we have our sermon discussion um, and follow up group that meets second hour, and that's starting up again today in our cafe. If you want to stay and and dive deeper into some of the content that I don't have time to share with you today, um, again on when we start up Wednesdays again towards the end of August, and uh, we'll have a sermon discussion group on Wednesday nights as well. Um, but just as we look at it, there, there's a lot in these chapters. They, and, and again, it, it literally opens up in, in chapter 11, verses 1 through 13, um, with the Lord's Prayer. I mean, this is where Luke's version of the Lord's Prayer, and Jesus talks about prayer, and he teaches his disciples. And again, that's one of the sections we're skipping over today. Okay, so, um, but again, just a reminder, we have that prayer revival coming up on August 13th. We have all these other you know, options to, to corporately pray as, as well as just you in personal prayers uh, every week. I just encourage you to do that. And there's, again, so much more in, uh, in these chapters that, that we just don't have time to cover today. But we are going to bounce around a little bit between uh, chapter 11 and 12. So if you have your Bible, just keep it open to, to Luke chapter 11. Um, as I said, we're gonna, we are going to read some of the text. We're going to bounce back and forth. But there, there are two um, big topics that Jesus addresses in these two chapters that I wanted to look at today, that I do want to focus on. And, and again, it feels like that they are both kind of disconnected, but I think as we see today, they are actually kind of very connected, and both very connected to just our faith and our journey and our world today. Okay, the, the first topic that Jesus addresses is, that I want to look at today, is the topic of hypocrisy. Okay, now, hypocrisy is, 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 one that, uh, is one of those unfortunate um, reputations of the church today. Right? Oh, the church is just full of a whole bunch of hypocrites. And now, again, this, this is really one of the reasons or excuses that people give why they don't want to come to church. You know, maybe you've heard this. Maybe you've invited friends or family or neighbors or coworkers and say, hey, you should come to church with me. Oh, I don't, I don't want to go to church. It's just a whole bunch of hypocrites. Hey, now, again, they, the reason we have that reputation, I mean, part of it is because, honestly, it's true. Right? Because, I mean, the truth of Scripture tells us right, that all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. Right? And even if we have the desire right, to live a life of holiness, the reality is we're going to fall short because we're humans. I mean, that's the, the foundation of the gospel, right? That's why we can't save ourselves. And so, again, when you think about that excuse and, and you know, just, just thought a, a couple things about that is, is I, I saw this, this sign that a church has uh, that I thought was just really interesting. It says, this church is not full of hypocrites. There's always room for more. And, and, and again, there, there's always room for you. And the reality is, if, if you're looking for the perfect church, you're not going to find it, because okay, there's not a perfect church. Okay, and right, it, even if there was a perfect church, once we show up, it wouldn't be perfect anymore, right? Because we all struggle with hypocrisy. 
Okay, but yet, this should not be an excuse, though, that keeps us out of church. Okay, as I, again, this meme, I think, speaks just really good to it, right? Not going to church because of hypocrites is like not going to the gym because of out-of-shape people. I mean, it's kind of the point. Right? I mean, we're all as a part of our faith journey. Like, now, again, we don't want, but our goal is not to be a hypocrite, right? I mean, our goal is to be transformed by God's Spirit. Our goal is to, to grow in our faith and to learn, right, to be less hypocritical every day, right, as we become more like Christ. Right? But the reality is we are human and we will fall short. Right? And, and that's just why we got to stay in the journey and continue to work and grow and learn and, and make changes, right, and adjust to be less hypocritical than I started. <laughs> right? I mean, that's the, that's the goal of the faith journey, right? Now, the, 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 again, Jesus addresses hypocrisy. We're going to dive into that. But, but the other topic that we're going to look at today that he addresses in these chapters is the topic of money. Now, I know this feels like a, a curveball because you're like, man, if I knew we were going to preach on money, I wouldn't have come today. Right? Because, and honestly, this is another one of those excuses, right, that people give about not wanting to be involved in church. Right? Again, the, this idea, right, that the church just wants my money. And again, they say, well, and I'll tell you, that, that's not true. That's not all we want. Right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the, well, kind of. The, the, we, we don't want you to come for your money. Okay, the, the reality, that's, that's not the point, right? Now, again, we, we, we teach you to give, right? Because that's what God's word tells us to do. And again, we're going to look at that here in a little bit. But, but again, I think a lot of people, though, kind of take this idea, this, this perspective, right? And, and they, they carry this with them, right? Like, look at all the money I saved by not going to church. Now, again, the reality is when we talk about money, anytime the Bible talks about money, is it's not really about money at all. It's always about our heart. It's always about our, our, our perspective, Right? And, and the, the reality is you can come here and you can never give a, a cent right, to, to Oregon Trail. And, and that's, that's between you and God. Right? And the reality is I won't even know, right? because I don't know who gives and how much. And, and so as we think about hypocrisy and about money, these, these are both topics that are very relevant today. And, and again, they're, they're somewhat independent, but they're also deeply connected with one another. So we're going to look at this. We're going to uh, um, dive into these topics again that Jesus addresses in, in 11 and 12 of Luke. Uh, and, and there's this, this key verse, and I feel like to both of these, that, that is really important. And this is kind of the, the, I'd say, theme verse of both of these chapters. And it's Luke 12, verse 34. Okay, and this is where Jesus says, he says, Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Okay, now, I, as we look at this verse, I encourage you to circle the two key words. Okay, the, the first key word is treasure. Okay, wherever your treasure is. And, and then the second key word I want you to circle on your outline is the word heart. Treasure and heart. Heart and treasure. These, these are two things right, that, are, that are deeply affect the other one. What you treasure will determine the condition of your heart. And the condition of your heart will deeply affect what you treasure. Right? What you hold dear in your life. One can sabotage the other. 
And also, though, one can also purify the other. Right? If my treasure gets put in the right place, it will affect and purify my heart. Right? If, if my heart is in the wrong place, it, it will affect my treasure. Right? What I hold dear. What I strive for in my life. Okay? They are deeply connected. Okay? So hypocrisy, money, treasure, and heart. As we look at these today, I'm going to dive into our first part of text we're going to look at, and that is in Luke chapter 11. Okay, verses, we're going to start with verse 33, and this is where Jesus starts to address hypocrisy. So if you, again, your Bible with you, open it with me to Luke 11. If you're with us in person and don't have your own Bible, our Bible's provided for you in the seat pockets, so you can grab one of those. But we're going to read here the kind of first part of this story here, um, Luke 11, picking up at verse 33, where Jesus says, he says, no one lights a lamp and then hides it or puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where its light can be seen by all who enter the house. Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. And when your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. And when it's bad, your body is filled with darkness. Make sure that the light you think you have is not actually darkness. If you are filled with light with no dark corners, then your whole life will be radiant as though a floodlight we're filling you with light. Now, I want to stop there um, before we go into the next story. Okay, in, in the following um, paragraphs, again, we see it kind of switches gears and moves into the story. But, but Jesus here is, he gives us this foundational teaching. And, and here he uses this example, that we, this theme that runs through all of Scripture, where, where goodness and holiness right, is represented by light, okay, and evil and sin is represented by darkness. Okay, anytime you see those things used in Scripture, just know that's, that's typically what it's addressing. Okay, the, the holiness right, and, and, and purity is light, darkness is sin and evil. You know, Jesus gives this foundational teaching about, about living for God. Right? He says if you get the light, right, if you get God's presence, the point of the light in your life is for it to shine. Right? And for it to penetrate the darkness. And then after this financial teaching, Jesus gets invited to, to a dinner party. Okay, and that's what the next story is. Now, this dinner party, um, Jesus goes to a lot of dinner parties, by the way. And, and he goes to lots of different people's houses in different contexts. This one happens to be at the, a Pharisee's house. Okay, the religious leaders, again, they, they invite him in. These are, our, these are his frenemies okay, in a lot of ways. And, and he shows up, he's here at the dinner, and he has this interaction with them. Now, as he's at this dinner, he, is, um, then he, he calls them out, right, in, in a lot of ways. And again, I'm not sure that Jesus would really be a great dinner guest. You know, it's like, oh, I just want to hang out, have a, have a you know, relaxing evening with my friends, enjoy a meal. And then Jesus, like, calls you out on stuff. Right? And this is what happens when you have dinner with Jesus. And, and he has dinner with the Pharisees. And in, in 11 verse 39, he says, okay, Then the Lord says to them, You Pharisees are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but the inside you are filthy, full of greed and wickedness. Just again, imagine, right? You're at dinner, right? You're enjoying it. And, and, and then Jesus sees us, you know, the dishes in front of him and sees how the outside's all fancy and, and this, is, this is a fancy dinner. This is not like a, you know, 
a burgers and fries kind of thing. They have fancy dishes, but yeah, he realizes, right, and he uses this example in front of him, right, that, hey, the dish on the outside looks really clean and inviting and fancy and perfect, but the inside is dirty. It's covered in food and, you know, whatever needs to be cleaned. And Jesus uses this idea, right, to, to call them out. I mean, he literally says, you guys are hypocrites. Right? In fact, Jesus literally defines hypocrisy here with this verse. Right? As Jesus defines, the way he defines it is, is he tells us hypocrisy is when the outside and the inside don't match. Right? And that's Jesus' definition of a hypocrite. Right? When, the, when the outside looks great, but the inside is full of greed right? and, and filth right? and sin. And, and, and the point Jesus makes, I mean, the, the core of his definition shows us right, that, that hypocrisy is a matter of the heart. Right? It's not about what other people see. It's about what's inside that really matters. Okay, that's what Jesus really cares about. And he defines hypocrisy in that way, right? He's like, the, the problem is not, is not you keeping the law. It's not your outward actions. It's not you doing good things, right? It's not what you say. The problem is you don't mean any of it because you don't live it out. But the problem is your heart is not in the right place. And then as we look into this story, and as Jesus calls him out, I mean, we, we see some different, different causes of this hypocrisy. I mean, as, as Jesus calls him out, he also addresses what the problems are. Okay, the first thing that Jesus tells, tells them, right, that is causing this hypocrisy in their lives, right, is that hypocrisy can be caused by an improper, improper perspective. Right, there's something that you misunderstand. There's something that, does, that doesn't match, right, in your life. And, and there, you've been misdirected in some way. Like, some of the truths that you're living out is leading you in a wrong path. In Luke eleven thirty five, 35, right, Jesus tells, and this is one of the verses that we read, right? He says, make sure that the light you think you have is not actually darkness. Now, this is a really interesting piece of advice, isn't it? Right? Because this shows, right, that we can't always trust what's in front of us. I mean, he tells us, right, to examine it, to look at it, because it might look good on the outside. Right? It might be all flashy. It might be, you know, feel good. It might be whatever, right? But dig deeper, because the light, what you think is light, might not be light. It might actually be darkness. Again, this is a warning, right? And this should also make a shudder right? of realizing, especially as followers of Jesus, right, that I cannot trust everything that, that appears holy. Right? I need to examine it deeper. I need to ask some questions. Right? I need to compare back to what I know is light, right? Go back to scripture, go back to, to, to the biblical foundations of faith, right? And, and say, is it, because it might not be light, it might actually be darkness, right? And Jesus says, again, it might be 
uh, hypocrisy might be caused just because you're following a false teaching. So make sure that you're not. Right? And that's on, that's on our shoulders, right? To make sure we're not following a false teaching. Make sure that the light that you think is light is actually God. <laughs> right? That it's not darkness. So hypocrisy, we see, can be caused by just an improper perspective. Okay, the, the next thing that Jesus addresses that, that brings hypocrisy into our lives okay, is partial obedience. Okay, partial obedience. Again, this is, this is very important, right? This, this is one that, again, it's not necessarily on those things that, that we're being told, but this is, this is all on us, right, as individuals, on how I'm living out my faith. Notice in Luke eleven thirty six, Jesus says, if you are filled with light with no dark corners, then your whole life will be radiant, as though a floodlight were filling you with light. Again, remember, light is God's presence, right? It's his holiness. It's purity. Right? We can get through Christ, right? When we start, when we join the journey of salvation, when we accept Christ as our Savior and receive his grace and mercy and join the journey of faith, that's when that light comes in our life, right? Through the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit dwells in your heart. And then that light starts to penetrate into all the dark corners of your life as you continue to grow and move forward in your faith journey. Right, and learn more about who God is and about who I am and about how to live that out. But I, again, I encourage you to underline or circle, put a star around no dark corners in this verse. This is a very key phrase. Right, the, because right when the light first comes through, there's all kinds of shadows. Right, there's still all kinds of sin. There's all kinds of, of things that we hold back from God. Right, I mean, there, there's not, and, and the goal of our faith, the goal of, of God's Spirit, right, is to transform your heart, to change the way you think, to where there's no darkness left. Right, that you are holy like Christ is holy. No dark corners. Right, that I am obedient in everything. Right, and I let it all over. Now, again, this is a journey. This is a process. This doesn't happen instantly. Right, this is things that we have to work through, right, because we all have dark corners in our lives, don't we? So we all have a certain level of hypocrisy, right, that we, God's trying to work out of us as a part of our faith journey. And, and again, think about in your life, right? I mean, partial obedience, right, is when God says, hey, when he opens your eyes, says, hey, here's a dark corner. We're going to work on this. And you're like, yeah, I'm not, yeah, I don't want to do that, God. Like, I like that habit, right? I, I, I like that. That, that's comfortable for me, right? Or, or I don't want to have that conversation. I don't want to, res- to restore that relationship. I, I don't want to give that up, right? Whatever it might be. I mean, but that's, again, God telling you, no, we got we to gotta clean out that corner. There's too many shadows. Let his light penetrate into every place, right? And full obedience into what God is telling you to do. What's the next phase of your faith journey? We see hypocrisy is, is by a wrong perspective, right, or partial obedience. The, the, the third thing that, that Jesus addresses with hypocrisy that might cause it is the influence of others. Again, who's influencing your life? Right, we have to be careful about that. In fact, Jesus gives uh, this warning to his disciples, right, after this, this dinner party with the Pharisees, and he calls them out. And in Luke 12, 1b, the last part of that verse, he says, Jesus turns first to his disciples, and he warned them, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, their hypocrisy. 
Right? Again, he's like, be careful on who influences your life. Right? Be careful on, on who's, who's speaking into who you follow, right? It, because um, it, it's like a yeast, right? That it'll expand in your life and it'll eventually take over. Right? When that yeast starts growing, right? Like there, there's, it, it, it penetrates the whole dough. Now, Jesus doesn't only address this hypocrisy, but again, this is, an exact, this is what God always does, is he also tells us the next step out, right? The next step to be more like him, right? To, and, and so he tells us, how do we counteract hypocrisy in our life? And, and the way Jesus tells us to counteract hypocrisy in our life is with truth, right? Truth is what counteracts hypocrisy. Truth is what changes your heart, Right, truth, the truth of who God is, right, of who we are, of, of the truth of the gospel, the truth of God's will for you, his love for you, right, his grace, and all the, the truth of all of that, right, is what sets us free. In fact, that's exactly what Jesus said, isn't it? Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Right? It's the truth of God. Again, in Luke 12, 2 and 3, he tells us, he says, the time is coming when everything that is covered up will be revealed. And all that is secret will be made known to all. And whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light. And what you have whispered behind closed doors will be shouted from the housetops for all to hear. Ouch! Right? Again, the only reason that those verses will not make you cringe is if there's no dark corners, right? Is if there's nothing to hide in your life as if you are the most like Christ you could ever be. Right? And, and again, just Jesus is telling you, this time is coming. Right? And again, and, and God's giving us the graciousness right, of the faith journey to slowly reveal that light right, and to work us through those processes and those hang-ups right, and, and those habits and those things we've got to give up right, that aren't of God. And, and he's like... Do it. You can walk with me now and we'll, we'll get it done, right? Or there's this day when it all will be revealed. Okay, so we see, again, Jesus addresses hypocrisy here with, with Pharisees. And, and then, though, he, moving on, right, through, uh, through Luke chapter 12, he addresses um, the, the next topic that we've already brought up, and that is the topic of money. I want to go back to Luke 12. Uh, and we're actually going to read uh, verses 13 through 15. So we pick up here, Luke chapter 12, verse 13. It says, Then someone called from the crowd, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. That's kind of a bold claim, demand of Jesus. But Jesus replies, Friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? And then he said, Beware. Guard against every kind of greed, for life is not measured by how much you own. Again, notice Jesus, I mean, again, calls out this guy, right? I mean, this guy gives this request. Hey, Jesus, do this for me. Right? And, and Jesus calls out, again, his true intentions, right? And, and again, he, he, he tells us, right, in verse 15. I mean, this is a very key verse, right, for, for all of us. To beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Now, there, there's some really interesting things here. 
in this verse, and we're going to look at it here, a couple of things, is this, this warning from Jesus. But, but, but in this verse, the first thing I want to look at is, again, Jesus identifies, right, and defines the real issue when it comes to money. And again, I'll tell you, every time, and the Bible talks about money a lot. And every time the Bible talks about money, it's not about money at all. It's always about your heart. It's always about your perspective. And it's about the deeper emotions that are connected to money. And that's exactly what Jesus does here, right? He defines the real issue with money. And the real issue with money is greed. Okay, it's not numbers. <laughs> it's an attitude, right? It's a heart condition is the real issue with money. Okay, and because the reality is it doesn't matter how much money you have. If your heart is not right, right, the money won't change it. The money just exposes what's already there. Okay, and if you have a, a heart of contentment, right, then more money won't change that. Or, or little money won't change that. If you have a heart of greed, right, then more money is never enough, right, and it just exposes what's already there. It isn't about money at all. It's, it's, it's about your attitude about money, right? It's about your heart. Now, the other interesting thing about verse 15, as we look at that, right, is that Jesus says to guard against every kind of greed, right, which to me says, there's more than one. Right? There's more than one kind of greed. Obviously, there is. Jesus says guard against every kind. Okay, there's some greed, right, that makes you jealous. Okay, there's another kind of greed that makes you desperate. Right? And there's maybe an even different kind of greed, right, that makes you arrogant. There's all kinds of greed. Right? And it affects people in different ways and in different situations. Right? And Jesus tells us to guard ourselves from all of them. <laughs> right? that, that greed is, is a big deal. <laughs> and again, Jesus goes on throughout the chapter 12 as he, as he addresses this idea of greed and money and, and how we should interact with it. And, and again, he, he gives us some things to remember. When it comes to money, we must remember these few things that Jesus tells us. Okay, the first thing, is that we need to remember that God is our provider. Okay, that God is our provider. Again, it, it's, it's not our job, right? It's not the economy. It's not our government. Okay, it's not our rich uncle. Okay, it's, it's God is our provider. And this is true about money, and it's true about everything else that we need too, right? Because he, I mean, he's a very generous God. He's provided our salvation, right, at the very foundation, right? God, God provides love, right, and identity and all the kinds of things. And, and God can also provide, right, um, money. Luke 12, 31 said, Jesus says, again, seek the kingdom above all else, and he will give you everything you need. Right, this, Jesus, again, is addressing a priority list in your life and in your heart. He says, if you seek God above everything else, right, then he can provide for you. Right, and, and, and he will. And, and in fact, when we think about, again, this, that's why one of the things the Bible tells us when we, to tithe, that's one of the requirements of a tithe, is that it, it's out of your first fruits. 
right? It's, it's the first thing you give. And the reason why that is important when you tithe is so that it's an act of faith, right? It's saying, I'm trusting God to provide for me for the rest of the month, even when I take 10% right off the top. Okay, it's supposed to be an act of faith. Okay, and and the, again, and that faith is, is, that action shows that I trust God to provide. Okay, and, and when you do that, and I'll tell you, I literally had a conversation with, with one, of, one of my boys in the truck the other day. It seems like all of our meaningful conversations when we're driving somewhere. Maybe that's because that's the only time we ever actually talk, right? But, but I, I literally, I, I, talked, I was talking with him. He's like, yeah, like, you know, he wants to buy this, and he's working, and he's like, I'm almost there. And I was like, and I just asked him, I'm like, well, have, make sure that you give God his, right, from all this money you're making. He's like, oh, I have. And I'm like, good, continue to do that, right, because, because then you'll always have what you need, right, if you do that. And I'm like, set up the habit now, right, when it's, you know, just a few dollars, right, versus so that you never stray from that habit when there's a lot more zeros. Okay, and then God can continue to provide in your life. It, because it keeps our heart right, right? It's an act of faith that God is our provider. Okay, now, again, the, the, the second thing that Jesus tells us we must remember when it comes about money is that we must remember that God expects us to manage what he gives us well. Because okay, the reality is, right, that 100% of what we have in our life is God's. It, because, again, God doesn't, God doesn't need us to donate our money. God has all the money he, he needs. Right? God's own, God owns a cow on a thousand hills. Right? In fact, if he needs your money, he'll just take it. Right? He, he won't ask you for it. Right? And, and when you think about God, but God has, again, a generous God lets us keep 90% of the money he brings into our lives. Right? That's a very generous God. And, 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 and he, but yet, the part that we get to keep, right, that we're supposed to keep, 90% of that, he expects us to manage it well and to manage it for his glory. And again, not, not to use it for selfish gain. And, and again, there, there's only three things you can do with money, right? You can give it, you can save it, and you can spend it. Okay, and, and when we think about those things, there needs to be a healthy balance between those three. Again, most people tend to overdo one and ignore the other two. Okay, the most common one, right, is you overspend and ignore the saving and the giving part. Right? But that's not always true. Right? I, I mean, you can, you can oversave right, to, where, to where you're not spending right? and you're miserable right? and you're not giving anything away. Right? And again, there, there needs to be a balance between these three, giving, saving, and spending. In Luke chapter 12, verse 43, okay, Jesus, again, gives this illustration, right, about, about this master, right, and that he, he, he um, entrusts these servants with his things, right, just like he does entrust us with all of his stuff. Okay, and, and in verse 43, Jesus says, if the master returns and finds that a servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. Okay, God expects us to manage his resources well. And again, that has nothing to do with how many zeros are in your bank account. Right? The amount of money does not change your heart and how you manage it. In fact, there's other teachings and parables, right, where Jesus literally says, if you manage a small amount well, I will give you more. Right? And if you don't manage even a small amount well, I will take away what you already have because you can't be trusted with it. Right? Jesus expects us 
to manage his stuff as his followers and to do it well. Again, Jesus talks about here about, again, how not only he gives us what counteracts hypocrisy, right? What counteracts hypocrisy is truth. He also teaches us here in this chapter what counteracts greed. And he tells us what the, how do you counteract greed in your life, and that is with generosity. Again, if we are, are moving forward in our faith journey, if we're going to be more like God tomorrow than we are today, right, then we will be more generous tomorrow than we are today because we serve an incredibly generous God. God gives us a lot that we don't deserve. And again, that starts with our salvation. We don't earn it on our own, right? We, we pray and receive him through grace. By faith is how we are saved. Right? We serve a very generous God. And the more generous I am, the more like God I am. And the reality is that generosity changes your treasure. Right? It, it changes your perspective. Right? And it moves you from being selfish to being God-centered. Again, when it comes to handling God's way, the reality is it doesn't make sense. The math does not make sense. Right? Well, how can I have more if I give a part of it away? Like, it, it doesn't add up. And, and it doesn't add up. And I'll tell you, don't even try, because God doesn't work with math. It, 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 it's exponential. Right? It, it's not even explainable, right? Well, but I'll tell you, again, and I can attest personally, right, is I can do far more with God's 90% than I ever could do with my 100. The math doesn't make sense. And guess what? It doesn't have to. I just trust, right? And I, and I obey, <laughs> right? And, and, and because God tells me to give away, so I'll, I'll give away what he tells me to give away. Right? Luke 12, 33, Jesus says, sell your possessions and give to those in need, and this will store up treasure for you in heaven. And the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it, and no moth can destroy it. Again, when you think about the three things, right, that, um, that we can do with money, right, giving, saving, and spending, giving is the only one that Jesus challenges us to increase. Okay, you are the most Christ-like when you give. And again, Christ gave us a whole lot more than money. Right, Christ gave us his life. And giving is very powerful, when it comes to transforming your heart and bringing forward progress in your faith journey. Again, how, how do we counteract greed in our life? Well, it's through generosity. And the reality is generosity is not, not really just a, not about money either. Okay, you could be generous in a lot of ways other than writing somebody a check. Right, you can be generous with your time. You can be generous with your ability, with your talents, right? With your knowledge. You can be generous with your relationships. Right? And you can also be generous with your money. Right? And I'll tell you, I, just, I think one of the most embarrassing reputations of Christians, right, is among in restaurants and waiters and waitresses. Right? Is, is you know, most waiters and waitresses hate the Sunday shift because... They, they don't want the after-church crowd in their restaurants because we're not generous to them. Does that, does that offend anyone else? 
who's a Christian. Right? It should. Again, we should be the most generous people because we've been given so much from God. And, and when you think about this, right, hypocrisy and money, they're deeply connected. I mean, that's just one example, right, of how hypocrisy and money can be connected very closely. Right? We sit in church, right, and praise God and, and all these things. And then we go to a restaurant and are rude or a waitress. As you think about this, right, hypocrisy and money, how might they be affecting your faith journey? How might they might be holding you back Right, in moving forward, in becoming more like Christ. Is, is hypocrisy or money affecting your faith journey? Well, Jesus, again, gives us a few ways to move forward. Right? He, he said, first, is that I journey forward by following through. Okay, no partial obedience. Right? No, you know, if, if I commit to tithe, right, of, of, of doing it all the way, right? I just, just follow through. Again, the, the point of following through, right, of following God's leading in your life and what he tells you to do is to make the inside match the outside. Right, so that you're not living in hypocrisy. Be a person of integrity. Right, do what you say you're going to do. Follow through with what God tells you to do. Right, Luke eleven twenty eight, Jesus replied, but even, be even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. Right, that's the path to blessing. Follow through. <laughs> right, that's, that's the first way right, that, that we, we move forward out of these. Right, and I guarantee you that this will clear out hypocrisy in your life if you hear the word of God and actually put it into practice. Okay, the next way that we journey forward right, out of greed or hypocrisy is I journey forward by keeping God in front of everything else. Including my problems, right? Including my victories, in, in, including my relationships. Keeping, keeping God at the front of everything else. Again, is God the point of my life? Or is a bigger bank account the point of my life? Right? Is God the point of my life? Or is the way I look to everybody else the point of my life? Is God the point of my life or is it something else? Okay, Luke 12, 21. He says, yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but to not have a rich relationship with God. He's saying it's just not worth that price. Right? And, and this will clear out any greed in your life. Right? Which leads back to following through and the cycle continues. <laughs> Hypocrisy and money. They're both very relevant today. They're both really very relevant to the church and to the reputation of the church and to your faith journey. Again, Luke 12, 34, wherever your treasure is, other desires of your heart will also be. Treasure and heart, heart and treasure, one deeply affects the other, one can sabotage the other, and one can purify the other. What step do you need to take in your faith journey today? Here's my final thought, and it's this. Growth comes when your heart is focused on God and your treasure is stored in heaven. So what step of faith do you need to follow through with today? What is God asking you to do? 
Again, if you're here today and you are, do not have a relationship with God, if, you, if you've never accepted him as your Savior, I'll tell you what God wants you to do. The first step of your journey is to pray and receive Christ as your Savior. Invite him into your life. Receive his grace and his mercy and, and forgiveness, right, for the first time. That's how you join the journey of faith. That's how you know you're saved. That's how you enter into a relationship with God. If you haven't done that, that's your next step. Okay, if you have done that, right, then seek the Lord on what is my next step? What are the dark corners of my life that you need to shine out, right? What is that I'm holding back from you, right? And, and, and whatever God tells you to do, follow through. Lord God, that is our prayer this morning, Lord, that you would come into our lives. God, that you would fill us with your spirit. God, that you would clean out our hearts. Lord, you would shine into the dark corners of our lives. God, that you would save us, that you would transform us. God, that we would represent you well. Lord, as people of integrity, as generous people, Lord, as those that are so deeply in love with you that it shines out of our lives for all to see. And God, I pray that as we go this week, Lord, that we will live out as your church, as we live our faith. God, as we show this world who you are by our actions and our attitudes and our commitment to follow through. God, as we go this week, I pray that you would guide our steps. Lord, that you would provide. Lord, that you would heal, that you would restore. God, that you would bring freedom to us, Lord, as we are transformed by your spirit. God, we love you. We praise you. Guide us today as we go. In Jesus' name. Amen.